Did you know that procrastination is the number one cause to stay the best kept secret as an entrepreneur? <laughs> It's true, because you can't build an authentic brand when you don't show up as who you are. You actually take away the opportunity for the right people to find you. And I'm speaking from experience here. <laughs> And this is why we focus in this episode of the Authentic Branding Podcast with Deborah Taylor on how to get out of your head and into your brand. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Kirsten Hewer and you are listening to the Authentic Brandcast, your place to get inspired to build a thriving brand by leading with your heart and standing up for what you believe in. It's time to stop overthinking, staying hidden and waiting for the perfect moment. Our world needs more heart-centered leaders and now is your time to shine. Are you ready to say no to outdated marketing tactics and yes to authentically leaning into who you are so you can show up with joy and unstoppable confidence and build your brand from a place of abundance and alignment? This Brandcast will show you how. Welcome, welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Authentic Branding Podcast. Today, my guest is Deborah Taylor. Hi, Deb. Hello, Kirsten. I'm Thank so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited you are here today and, and specific about our topic. Um, today, we are talking about how you can get out of your head and into your brand. Yep. <laughs> For those of you listening today live or in the replay, my name is Kirsten Hewer. I'm your host today. And this podcast is really all about how you can create a authentic brand that feels like you. And I'm so excited to have Deb on, on here today. Um, Deb is a hypnotherapist and also the author of the book, How to Be a Finisher. <laughs> Deb, would you like to say a few words and introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you for having me on here today. I'm really excited to talk about how, um, how my book and the ideas of my book can be translated to help people around you know, branding, design, and the creative side of things, because I've experienced that myself, how people can get stuck in things like procrastination and perfectionism. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get started and chat to you about that. Awesome. So um, let's jump right in. So in our um, pre-talk, we talked about that we are really um, have been conditioned from like childhood on to just fit in. So when I remember in school, you know, you are maybe shy, you, you, you don't want to be different. You just want to be like everyone else because you're just not sure how this all works. And I think this is all where it starts because all of a sudden there comes a point you, you you're done with school you have you know you have to be in your box um you have to talk or can only talk when you ask to and all of this and then suddenly you go into your career and then maybe you start your own business um like many of our um listeners and viewers today and then you have to sell yourself <laughs> and people tell you you need to be different or and um then you think yeah well but but how so we start yeah. so at least i 
I don't know about you, but I start like, you know, you start comparing like what do others do? And then you try this and try that. And it gets really frustrating at one point. Um, I don't know. I think it's really hard to, to find yourself again, like who you really are. And this is, I think, where you said this whole conditioning um, is where it all starts. So can you like share about like the conditioning <laughs> conditioning part and how to fit in and I you you also said and when you were little uh, you already started to condition yourself <laughs> yes I mean we yeah. do like like when we come on to when we come into the world we're like sponges and it's like we've got a little video camera attached to our head and we're absorbing and recording everything and that creates our stories our beliefs and the interpretations we have around everything and I must have heard somebody say I was I, you know picking things up at a very early age and I was a very small toddler probably just about to turn two and my first word my first phrase um was in a minute but I said it is mini minute which everyone thought was very funny so it got repeated back to me and so in a minute was the thing that I said anytime anyone called me it would be mini minute anyone anytime somebody asked me to do something in a minute so I was procrastinating from from the age of two onwards and then then it became a family story that I did all my best work under pressure that I left everything to the last minute but I somehow did well because things work until they stop working and that's about our conditioning as well which is what you mentioned is that the reason we want to fit in is because of when we're young we know that we're everything's tribal we've got a family and then school is another tribe and there's a part of our brain which is the reptilian brain which is about the size of an almond it's also called the amygdala and it's our it's our fierce it's sort of our fear center and it governs our flight and fight responses and it's the oldest part of our brain and the thing is it can't tell the difference between a real or imagined fear and years thousands of years ago when we were living in tribes it was about keeping us alive and it was whether it was safe to go out of the cave or it was about making sure that we kept with the tribe so that we kept safe and so our brain treats our early years now in the same way and so you know you don't want to be the kid that's picked last for the football team or the or the hockey team or whatever because that makes us feel like it's a threat to our survival because we're we're being abandoned. Mm. We're not fitting in. So we start to adapt and, and homogenize ourselves because we want to fit in with everybody else. We don't want to stand out because standing out isn't safe. That's what our brain is telling us. And our yes. brain likes us to be comfort comfort comfortable. It's about giving us pleasure and moving us away from pain. And, and, we, and we want to be good enough. And if we're not fitting in, then we feel that we're not good enough. And so all our early years are about fitting in with teachers, fitting in with our, our everyone at school. We don't want to be picked on. We don't want to be bullied. We want to really go under the radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and we don't want to fail. And sometimes... Our fear of success can also be a threat to our safety as well, because fear of success can make us stand out too much. So that's when we kind of don't want to be too loud. 
We don't want to shine light too brightly. We don't want to stand out from the crowd too much. And these are all the things that we actually then need to unwind when we start our own business. So even when you're in a corporate job, you're still in that tribal environment of fitting in and fitting in. And then when you go and set up your own business, then it's suddenly you're looking around and you're thinking, how are all these people standing out? And they talk about being authentic, you know, and you think maybe I'm someone that should, you see people are quite loud and they swear and, and you think, oh, maybe I should try that. And that's not really who you are, or you should try something a different way. And you're trying continually to, to work out who should you be to to be visible and get that attention and or to attract those clients because actually it's not it's become your comfort zone was actually fitting in yeah. and actually your brain is going oh no this feels really uncomfortable to try and stand out and you don't know how to stand out and be authentic because you've trained yourself not to stand out yeah absolutely and you know what i just thought um when we are doing that, trying to fit in, we are not ourselves. And if we are not ourselves, then we naturally do something that is not aligned with who we are, which then um, is not doesn't help us to build the confidence because we are we are almost uh, always out of alignment. Yes. And if we are, for example, let's say you try something which is not aligned with who you are, and then you are getting backfire and you think, oh, this wasn't good, then we automatically apply, or mostly, it to, to us as a person, meaning not the thing that I did wasn't good, but maybe it's me who isn't good enough. Um, so by trying different things without really focusing inward, I think, um, mm -hmm we are setting ourselves up as for failure because like it's it's we are trying to set out doing things that are not aligned with us and then we we are not getting the results we want which means we don't feel confident confident not comfortable not comfortable and not confident and then we are going back in, in, into our little snail house <laughs> yeah we are and that feels safe and what we're saying to ourselves well see it didn't work because i'm not good enough and then your your brain will go and find instances in the past when that had happened before. Oh, yeah, so when yeah, you were yeah. at school and and something and and you tried to stand out and it didn't work out, and it, and then it will bring those feelings back to you of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. When really, um, we're attaching a lot to what that means when we're trying to stand out, but knowing that it's because of our conditioning, what we can do is start to ask ourselves different questions. So when we were talking before in um, before the, in, the start of the interview, we had a little chat about authenticity and your and you know, you, the youth antique side mm -hmm. of it and who you are. It's about rediscovering what makes you unique because yeah. we're all different, we're all unique. And it's about working out what really lit you up about the things that you're working on. So your why doesn't have to be really massive. It can be, your why can be, I just like to help people around this. It really gives me joy to kind of create a brand for somebody. 
or to do something creative or if you're not somebody where connection is important where it's not really about meeting people it might be the creative side so it's about stripping it back to those core values you know is it connection do you get lit up by by being around people then if it's that like rediscover who you are when you're doing that what is it that really lights you up what do you enjoy and communicate that to people because that's what people respond to because that's what you're talking about when it's what is alignment well alignment is actually when you're working from that place where you feel lit up where you're really enjoying it so it doesn't it you know you're working but it doesn't necessarily feel like work because it doesn't feel hard or heavy so I would say understand what um and it's something I write about in my book is understand the difference between what feels heavy and what feels light because lightness I think is alignment so when it's heavy it feels like you're pushing the boulder up the hill so the bits in your business that feel really heavy are often where you don't enjoy it you don't feel in alignment the bits that feel light are the bits when you're in alignment. So what's sparking joy? What's enjoyable about what you're doing? And what's the fun bit for you? Isn't the same for everybody else? Yeah. Funnily enough, um, now that you're saying that, for a long, long time, I always thought if things are easy and light, I'm not trying hard enough because somehow things that I want to accomplish, they need to be difficult because easy is easy. But um, I never, in the past, I never like put one and one together and thought if it's easy, then maybe it's it's my path. Maybe that's what I'm good at. And I'm this is where I need to continue rather than, okay, um, I don't like other things and I have to push through. So, so this is, I think, the universe uh, or, the, or life um, the life lessons because we're not at school anymore where a teacher tells us you do this and you do this and this is right but in life it's different because we are constantly learning and the experiences that we have are giving us the lessons so we need to respond to that um, I liked what you, what you said with your book when you um, like really peeling back the layers and finding your identity because this is really where we start with uh, I call it inner branding so before I would say before you look into your website or social media and all this stuff, like find out your inner branding, like who are you, yeah. um, what lights you up, what are your values, and also what is your personal why, and what is your bigger ripple effect why, like what is the impact that you want to have. And that was something that really lit me up um, because I believe that through helping people, like finding authenticity in their branding, they will be able to help more people with what they do. And our world is so sick and needs healing on so many levels, no matter if it's like our nature or, or people, animals, um, climate change. So there's so much going on and we can only save our world if we are all be true to ourselves and really put our talents out there. And we can't do this if we are stuck in our head. <laughs> That's so, that's so true. And, you know, my bigger why is really about helping people move out of fear. Um, and, and you know, that's what my book is really about because procrastination is fear-based. Yeah. And it's our childhood self-defense mechanism. 
Um, and that's important for people to understand because we often attach stories. And just to go back to what you said about um, the struggle and things have to be hard and something is only worthwhile if it's hard is part of our conditioning. So we're told and our parents were told as well that you have to work really hard to be successful. So this gets filtered down to us. And so when something feels light and easy, we're like, this can't be right. Because we've been told that it should be hard. And that becomes a habit for us that we think that everything needs to be a struggle. And then we get addicted to this idea of it being a struggle. And entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs, we feel then we have to do everything in our business. And then it's like we're a martyr to the struggle. Look how hard I'm working. And then when we do something that really gives us joy, we're like, well, it should, it, this isn't right. We shouldn't be enjoying this. This shouldn't be fun. <laughs> so we, we forget the alignment piece is the fun bit, the bit yeah. that we're enjoying. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it's like you said, you know, it goes back to, to all of that conditioning in our childhood as well. And so we lose sight of, one, we lose sight of what lights us up. We lose sight of our bigger whys and all of those things because we get so rooted in the heaviness of it. And then we also tell ourselves stories that we're lazy because mm -hmm. we don't understand that procrastination is a self-defense mechanism. And it's one of our biggest childhood self-defense mechanisms that we use to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. If I put something off, then I will still be safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm putting off judgment. I'm putting off being told that I'm going to get something wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm putting off somebody um, not going ahead with something. Mm -hmm. and, or this feels really difficult. I'm not sure I'm going to get it right. So I will try and avoid that. So Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about your book, um, Deborah. Like you, you said earlier, um, there are actually 17 layers of procrastination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought there's only like one way. <laughs> But, uh, and I think um, like before, um, before I got introduced to procrastination at one point, I didn't even know what the word, what it, what it means. I think I've been doing it many, many, many years, but I just wasn't aware. So what are those? Can you talk about those 17 layers or like the main layers so that we yeah. can, I, because I can imagine that we are, that we procrastinate, but we don't even know that we do it. And one of the reasons in the book that I started with the layers of procrastination was because obviously, as I already said, I was a procrastinator from a very early age. And um, when I started writing the book, I started to look at how people procrastinate and the ways I've procrastinated. And I realized that um, in the other books I'd looked at around procrastination, it was really around habits. And I wanted to go from the inside out first and to really get across how we all deal with procrastination because we all procrastinate in various different ways was to look at the different, to show people that there are different layers. That it's not just procrastination mm -hmm. so for example some of my clients my hypnosis clients um some of them emotionally procrastinate 
So they don't have a pro, they don't procrastinate in their work, but they procrastinate in relationships. So they'll stay in a relationship that is no longer working for them, that is maybe toxic because they're too scared to leave, or they emotionally procrastinate because they're people pleasing. So they would rather not put off telling people that they don't want to do something or they don't want to tell their family that they want to change something in their life and mm. um, then they'll be judged and they'll no longer be pleasing people um and then when it comes to work we have things like over perfecting which is which is a killer in the creative industry because that's where you're thinking i need the perfect shade of red or oh, yes. i need it to look a certain way um and also because you're you, you know you 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 want it you've got this idea that it has to be just right but you haven't really defined what just right is mm-hmm. so that's when you get into this over perfecting and it's because you're really putting off it it being judged by somebody and and it's like the feedback because you're because for a lot of people their brands and their business are so caught up in their own identity and who they are and their ways of being and their own worth that actually that feedback can feel really like a body blow because it's like your own self-worth is tied up in the work that you've done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so over perfecting i write things about faffing which is like you'll do anything but the thing you're meant to do because you're trying to put off dealing with that then avoiding and also something I call the holding zone where you think I'll just leave it there for a very short while whilst I do something else and that holding zone can be like how many courses have you signed up to that you haven't yet finished Uh you know how many things that you think you need for your business um and that also um you know that gets into shiny object syndrome as well where it's like I need to wait a sec is shiny object syndrome a part of procrastination yeah oh this shiny object syndrome is putting off like i just need this one thing and then oh. and that might be my magic wand that will make everything better yeah. and then it's like, oh no but there's another shiny object that's come along and i need that as well and that will make everything <laughs> better and, and really at the root of all of this you know amongst all of the different layers is self-worth and self-trust Because if you really loved yourself and you trusted yourself and you knew that you were worthy and that you were unique and you mattered, would you do all of these things that hold you back? If you knew you couldn't fail, would you be holding on to something? Would you be looking for the next best thing or the next new thing? Or would you be over-perfecting if you knew that everything would be okay? Yeah. And yeah. it's really your, your brain is like desperately trying to keep you safe. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why yeah. you're getting into procrastinating. And often for for most of my clients where procrastination or perfectionism is an issue, they're not lazy. They're always busy. They're not always busy on the thing they should be busy with. <laughs> another area of procrastination is this idea of busyness. And that's when you get into uh, can get into overwhelm because you think you've got to do everything, um, and it and it's so it's not a question of laziness; it's a question of like fear. 
yeah yeah so what um what can we do to get out of this <laughs> do you have like a magic wand um <laughs> but like what are steps um, i mean it's very com a very complex um complex topic and um as you said there are so many different layers i i think the first thing is that we have to be aware that we we need the clarity. So that's why in branding, I always um, say that clarity is the first step. If you get clear on who you are and what you want to do, this is already 70% of your branding is already done. <laughs> the rest is just like this. So how do we get um, the awareness of, um, yeah, that we are procrastinating? In, so in what you said is really important. Clarity is important and awareness. And once you have this, once you understand that you that you have these set of behaviors and that actually you're not the only person i think that the tragedy of procrastination is that we don't really talk about it to one another because there's a shame attached to it and so um you know like i said to you a million people a month on average google that word and um, because they're they're seeking a solution for it so it's just, but we don't tell other people that we procrastinate. So we can often look around and we see all these people doing all these amazing things. And we wow. think we're the only person that gets stuck. And that's not true. It's just when none of us tell one another that we have this issue because there's shame attached to it. So one, it's like moving beyond shame. Clarity is important. Asking yourself questions. like, And just saying things like, what is actually causing me to procrastinate? What is causing me to overperfect? Yeah. Um, and and then I would say, um, so my book has twenty seven different strategies, but that's really about once you get clarity, it's the strategies to help you move beyond it. Yeah. I would always say, because it's a self defense mechanism, it's a habit that your brain has created because your brain creates habits because they're efficient it doesn't have to think through steps so in essence it's often going to be a default setting so once you know that you know that when things get difficult it may be somewhere that your brain automatically goes to so overcoming it is about the strategies it might be something that you it's not necessarily something you're going to eradicate like this it's a question of knowing that you can overcome it and find your path out of it e more easily. Yeah. So I would say also chunking down. So always, like, if you are really, really, really stuck, just what's one thing that you can do? And I, so I used all of the strategies I've written about in the book. I used all of the strategies to actually finish the book so mm -hmm. I could be a finisher. Because my family had a story that I wasn't a finisher. Um, and so, I, it, you know, um, and we often create these stories that we start strong and we struggle to finish. Yeah. So I would say really chunk down. So often our problem is that we we set ourselves up for failure um, to prove to ourselves that we're not worthy or it's, it's brain-based. And, um, and we can get into these stories. And so we'll create a really big lofty goal and then go, oh, look, well, I didn't manage it. Look, I'm not good enough. But actually, and I was doing that before when I was trying to write a book, <coughs> I'd be like, I have to write 5,000 words a day. 
And then I'd be like, hmm, you haven't written 5,000 words a day. That means you're rubbish. No, what it meant was that I hadn't created the right strategies and the right environment to create um, a foundation for success. So when I had to step into identity, who did I need to be? Mm-hmm. So what what ways could I support myself to create and finish my vision? And that was at a macro level. Yeah. That would be being really compassionate with myself, talking to myself in a way that gave my gave me a breeding ground for success. So I was like, um, I created this environment where I mentored my brain. So I was like, uh, created my, I was the mentor to my brain. So how, creative, how can you be a mentor to your own brain? Always talk to myself. Like oh, every yeah. every time I felt I was going into a negative. I'd be like, well, what if, what if everything was okay? And what if I just did 200 words now? And what if I just did this? And what if I was good enough? So I would just always just start to kind of reverse the negative to positives and start to challenge my brain to think more positively away from its default setting of being very negative. Mm-hmm. And I was somebody, I talk about it in the book, I had obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so I had an ingrained obsessional thought habit around very negative things where I would catastrophize. And I learned to overcome that um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I knew I already had a template for overcoming negative thinking. I just had to kind of be more strategic in terms of how I mentored myself to get the end result. Yeah. So being more self-compassionate, how I spoke to myself. Thinking about something bigger than me, imagine if my book could help people. Even if it only helped one person, that can create a ripple effect. Yes. So always think about something bigger than you mm-hmm. because then you can say to yourself, well, what's more important? to help somebody or for me to just to sit here and get into my fear. Yeah. And that is so selfish. Yeah. Yeah. That is so Um, selfish. I I think it's the same, um, Deb, you know, when, uh, when I, I don't know, I have a headache and I'm I'm just whiny. And then um, if I think about people who are in the hospital, um, I don't know, broke a leg, maybe have COVID, can't breathe. And I think, oh my God, like just, get out of your head really like there are so many people who, who would love to be in your position right now with a little headache <laughs> um like i think as soon as we put the attention not on us but on others um that has always been like a big um help for me yeah very much so and that is about getting out of your head and so those are the strategies to get out of your head another thing is i'm not sure if you're aware of something that it was, it's called Parkinson's Law. It was um, coined by um, a British civil servant, Cyril Heathcote Parkinson. And he identified that we basically, um, time expands to the amount that we give it. So we often will give ourselves um, two weeks to complete something that might only take a few hours. So the more time we give it, the more it expands, but also it takes up that space in our brain. So it's like we're this ever-present part in our brain where we know we have to do this thing. 
And so the task becomes bigger than it really is. Yeah. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> it took, in total, it took maybe like an hour. And I yeah. was carrying it around. It got heavier and heavier. And I, in yeah. my mind, it took like a week at least. And then I, I got clear and I thought, wait a minute. If you really sit down and do all those steps, does it really take like seven days? And I thought, well, it would probably just take an hour. <sighs> And that is the antidote to it, is the antidote to that kind of behavior is to suddenly challenge yourself and almost act as if you've got, um, so say you had a corporate job and you had somebody like breathing down your neck and giving you this deadline to really give yourself a really impossible deadline um, of an hour and see what you can do. And it's amazing what you can do. And then once that's done, Imagine what you're saying to your self-worth when you've done it. Yeah. You're actually going, wow, I managed to do this in such yeah. a short period of time. And it has a transformative effect on your confidence. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I could get out of that because <laughs> I am always, um, if I am on like high adrenaline, I have a deadline in a really like short time frame coming up. I, I work at my best. I don't know, mm. and I don't, I have tried to change it. Like um, say, okay, a week ago, uh, in, in a week ahead, I have, I need to have a presentation done. And I start working on it, but I'm not really in this flow. And I don't know, I, I always get into the flow when there is high adrenaline and then the ideas come like this. And it actually doesn't take me that long then, but if I could have this state of, yeah. um, of, of awareness and uh, getting the stuff done like a week earlier, I could review it again and make it even better. So I do you have a strategy for that? How can I get in this state a week earlier than I? <laughs> it's because you've created a habit around it. And also I know because that's what all my family always said to me. And then I'd be like, well, if I do something and I've got loads of time, it will never be good enough. And I realized that's a story. Um, and I just create, I'm, I create deadlines. And I also get people to give me deadlines as well. Mm. Um, so I, I worked out that I, that's how I respond. And so I create an artificial environment around it. Or even if it's how you do something, sometimes it's accepting that that is the way you like to work. Mm -hmm. and, and there's something else I say is that actually a little bit of procrastination isn't a bad thing, right? So sometimes it's good to take stock. It's good to actually weigh things up rather than rushing headlong into something. It's actually when it's difficult to restart mm. or you're yeah. really pushing things right to the bottom of the pile. Mm -hmm. So It's actually really like what ways of working work for you? Mm -hmm. um, are there things that you can um, outsource or give to somebody else that yeah. are not in your skill set and that's why you're procrastinating? Mm -hmm. Or if you find that you really get in, because flow state is really important. So flow state something I write about continuously in my book. Flow state is the optimal state when you feel like you can bend time. Mm -hmm. And if you do creative work, flow state is, there's something really magical about flow state. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? It's like, you know, 
I love flow state. Time, <laughs> time suspends when you're in flow state. Yeah. So when you find yourself in flow state, if something's happened and you are working to a deadline and you feel that pressure and that's when you get into flow state, why would you change it? If you're happy with the results you get and your clients are happy, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. Well, probably because I think, well, it's not, what if I don't, like, what if something happens and I don't get it done in time? So this is like the... Has there ever been a time when you haven't got it done in time? No. <laughs> so no. <laughs> there's no problem, is there? That's right. Because you don't allow yourself to. Mm, yeah. It's just sometimes you've got to recognize when are you being hard on yourself? Sometimes yeah. there are ways when you actually work. We all work, we all have ways of working when we, mm -hmm. and if you can find, if you work under pressure and you get into flow state, if it works for you, then, and you still produce the results and you, and you're always in, in integrity with your clients, mm -hmm. yeah. then do you, do you need to change it? Yeah. Good question. So, yeah, I think, it's really about understanding yourself yeah. and understanding yourself better, understanding mm -hmm. how procrastination works and understanding what works for you and what are your best ways of working. Yeah. So there's no necessary right or wrong, but procrastinate. there is an issue when procrastination puts you in a position where you're out of self-integrity, when you're mm -hmm. not keeping your word to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think this is why this um, finding out again or connecting again with who you are, um, that's why this is so important because you might be someone that is doing things this way. Like maybe you need specific things to get in this flow. So, but um, having the clarity around that, and this is also like coming back to our topic today, like mm -hmm. get into our brand. Um, it's really about like this, like building building your brand around your identity and um, like peeling back those those layers that have been uh, put onto you by society mm -hmm. and uh, everyone around you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was there, I, I'm interested now, Deborah, was there like a point in your life where, where you said, okay, this is enough now, like I can't do it anymore, I'm I'm, I'm applying those strategies now to myself to get out of out of this, like, what was the, the reason, like, why you wrote this book? I would love to know that. So I, I had burnout um, in um, twenty end of 2018. I had um, experienced delayed grief. Um, I and my OCD was really caused by overthinking. Um, I, it had reached, like, a really critical point. I was just stuck in overthinking all the time. I kept second-guessing myself. I was out of alignment in the work I was doing. And so it was, I was still on this searching journey of who I am, what's really gonna make me happy. Mm. And then I discovered um, hypnotherapy. Um, I start, I'd started writing a book. I discovered hypnotherapy. I then decided to train in hypnotherapy. And it was that kind of journey through that of understanding um, the root causes of my some of my issues from my childhood and what had so I had always been what people would say would be a high achiever 
and things work until they stop working. So I had always um, done well by beating myself up, by pushing myself and pushing myself and pushing myself and demanding more of myself and, and, meant, and living in my head. So it's very much what you were saying about getting out of your head. Yeah. Um, we're rewarded all through our schooling. And then if we go to university and then if we go to um, into a corporate job and I was doing professional qualifications, all of those things, I was continually rewarded for being in my head. And I thought that thinking was my superpower. I had told myself this all through my childhood. And my mother, who had realised that I had a problem with overthinking, kept telling me that all my problems were because I overanalyzed and I thought too much. And I was continually trying to prove her wrong. Um, and, and she would also go on about me procrastinating. So in the book, I write about values because I had a coach um, who'd said that we should get people close to us to describe us or our values. Um, so it's three of them. And so I thought, well, actually, I won't go to Facebook or anything. I'll ask my mother um, because I trust her. And she said joy and curiosity. And they are two of my highest values. And I thought, that's great. She knows me really well. And then she said procrastination. And I was really angry. Oh. It really triggered me because I thought I've done so much work on this. And I said to her, I've done so much work. And she said, mm, I haven't seen quite so much evidence to show that you've got out of your overthinking and and overanalyzing which is part of procrastination yeah. so that also her saying that really did trigger me in a good way because our triggers as you know are a mirror for us to look inside ourselves and that actually was the catalyst for me starting to write this book and to work out okay how do i how do i really overcome this and what can i actually do and 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 how does this affect other people? Because I can't be the only person that gets mm -hmm. stuck in all of these issues. And so, um, so yeah, it, it was that kind of self-exploration that really um, led to it and, and finding strategies that helped move that needle forward. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to be really big things. I mean, hyp hypnotherapy really helps in getting to root causes of very dysfunction of of that dysfunctional behaviour. But you can also there are practical strategies as well that you can start to implement. Yeah. So um, maybe before we come to our end today, uh, Deb, like, are there maybe like three three steps, three easy things that our um, listeners um, who would like to get out of their head <laughs> can can apply, and then um, yeah. Um, one thing I will say before that is, and it's something I write about in the book, is I think that it's something that you do in hypnotherapy is you allow people to let go of the past and the past stories. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage people who really feel that they, it's a, it's procrastination, feel like you've lost opportunities or you, you've, there's something that you've done wrong and you're not where you want to be. You know what we talk about, the gap between where you are and where you think you should be. I think there's a process of letting go. And that is about just writing things down and forgiving yourself. So I really feel like to move forward, you've got to forgive yourself for the past. Because mm -hmm. the past the past is already gone. 
Yeah. And it's about, and the problem with procrastination can be um, being in the present, but also worrying about the future. But it's about letting go of the past first. Okay. And, yeah. And, and just, and really forgiving yourself and actually just writing it down and actually something as simple as saying, I forgive myself and listing everything. Yeah. Um, great. I really think self compassion is really important. And I think a question that I ask myself all the time throughout the day is um, if I loved myself, what would I do? So if I loved myself, would I speak to myself like this? If I loved myself, is this how I would be acting? Mm. Just asking yourself that question can open up answers for you. Um, and it helps you get into the frame of mind of speaking to yourself in a much kinder way. And it and it helps you get out of your head. Because if you did love yourself, would you be procrastinating? Yeah. Would would you be getting into fear? Mm -hmm. If you loved yourself, would you would you be worried about what other people think? If you mm -hmm. loved yourself, would you worry about other people judging your work? Because you wouldn't because you would know that you're enough. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other side of it is really, really chunking down, like little micro steps. Like even if you're at your very lowest ebb, just one simple thing can help you. I mean, I had a stage where I really struggled to even get out of bed. So making my bed was like a revolutionary act. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, when my mental health was at a very low ebb. But even like just the work you're doing, you can look at a project and think, wow, this seems so big. And I have such lofty goals because you, this is about the micro and the macro. So when we're talking about your big overarching goal for what you want for your clients or how you want to help people, the ripple effect you want to have in the world, sometimes that can be so big that actually you don't know how to get started. And so it's in the very in the very small micro action that aligns with your, your macro overarching reason for being or reason for wanting to do what you're doing. So what small things can you do that align with your bigger vision? Yeah. And then and then and that can be for me, it was just like write 200 words and then write another 200 words and all of a sudden I had written a chapter whereas before I couldn't even write 5,000 words because I was so focused on this big thing it seemed too big for me to complete but when I chunked everything down so it aligned with where I really wanted to go so I'd say to people it's like so in the UK we've got two really big points we've got um, Land's End which is at the bottom of the country and then we've got John O'Groats which is the top of Scotland it's a bit like trying to get from Land's End to John O'Groats without really knowing how you're going to get there. So mm -hmm. if you just said, like, I'm just going to set off and I'm only going to go for five miles at a time, that doesn't seem so bad. But when you think, oh, my God, I've got to go, say, 500 miles, you suddenly kind of procrastinate because you think, God, that's too much. That's a bitten off too much. But if you just go, well, actually, I'll just go these five steps so that's my that's my kind of practical guide for getting out of it. 
Yeah, I think this is great. And that reminds me also of um, going on a journey. And it's not just about the destination. It's about yeah. the way there, all the cool things that you see and all yeah. the stops that you can do and all the little picnics and things that you can eat on your way and the coffee that you can have. And <laughs> so, yeah, this is great. I love that, Deborah. Well, I love that, Kirsten, because that leads into something that we get into, which is attachment to the outcome. And that's another area when we can procrastinate because we're so worried about what something's going to look like. When you have just so eloquently described how we can really get so much fulfillment from the process or the journey, which can be equally as important yeah. as this idea of what we've got. Sometimes we've got such a fixed idea of something, how something will look when we don't really know what it's going to look like whereas like you're saying if we can enjoy all the parts of that journey that gives us a much more fulfilling experience and that's much better for our sense of self-worth as well absolutely absolutely <laughs> awesome um deborah i think this was um like a great conversation today um i will put up your information here for everyone who i think Everyone, please follow Deborah <laughs> on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, check out her website, and then can you share like how can get people um, to read your book? Like, can is it can we order that on Amazon or like how can we how can we um, order that? My book, um, I have a link in my Instagram. My book is available at on Podia.com. Um, how to be a finisher. So there's a link in my Instagram and on LinkedIn. Um, so you can buy the book. It's not available on Amazon. It's just available to download um, on podia.com, how to be a finisher. Awesome. So please people check it out. <laughs> um, I will I will do that as well, because as I learned, uh, there's not just one way how I can get into my head. Uh, actually, there's several ones and I need to figure out and be aware uh, when that is the case. So thank you very much, Deborah. Um, it was um, awesome to have you here today. And for everyone listening today, I will share um, her information also in the description of this and when the um, Braincast is available on YouTube. And I will say goodbye for now. Thank you, Deb. Thank you and so much, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Okay, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate a review, if it's a good one, of course. We release a new episode every week. You might want to hit the subscribe button to get notified. Are you ready to build your aligned brand? Connect with us by following the link on this page. We can work together one-on-one, -on -one, or you can join our small group program. Until next time, I'm your host, Kirsten Hewer.